Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And some quick updates from our past episodes. We are so glad that you loved the EET episode, and we heard back from a lot of people on Instagram, which was awesome. We are going to plan a second episode with some of those really in-depth descriptions that are more appropriate for middle and high school students. And also, a little bit later in the episode, we are going to announce who won our very first giveaway for Shield Pals, so you definitely won't want to miss that. Yay, I'm so excited. I know. (laughs) Before we dive into the sensory bins and sensory boards and all of that, I just want to give a brief description of what sensory is, especially for those parents listening that may not know exactly what that concept is, and also why it's important to our world of speech therapy. So the word sensory refers to a very complex chemical reaction that occurs in our body, and it's essentially based upon our different senses. So sight, smell, touch, taste, what we hear. Uh, As far as our um, career goes, ASHA has a really good resource. Um, So speech therapists, the ASHA website, has a great, great article. It's called The Effect of Sensory-Based Intervention on Communication Outcomes in Children. It's a mouthful. mouthful. We'll link it, so don't worry. But it describes the sensory integration theory, and I don't want to get too much into it because we could talk about it for a really long time. But this theory basically says that when an individual's sensory needs are met, they have higher opportunity for learning. And Again, for us, that means higher opportunity for language. So incorporating that into speech therapy, uh, the SLPs listening, I'm sure you've dealt with or are currently dealing with managing possibly negative behaviors. And maybe they're not even negative, but maybe they're avoiding, maybe they're lacking attention, just behaviors that are really not helping with the speech therapy and getting work done. It's really just kind of hindering it. So sometimes, unfortunately, that can take up the entire session. And a lot of times the root of these behaviors, they may have some sensory issues going on. So I think it's really important for us to know what that looks like and to have just like a little sensory toolbox of things that we can try so that if we encounter a child that 
just really is not attending to what we want from them and is having a really hard time in therapy, we can kind of incorporate some of that. I know that in EI services, so when I was an outpatient for those little kids, seeing like two to three-year-olds, sometimes they weren't seeing occupational therapy yet. So occupational therapy does a lot with this sensory-based approach, and they do a lot with managing these behaviors. And unfortunately, their waiting list is just as long as ours is. So so they might not be seen yet. So it's, again, so important that we know a little bit at least on what on things to try. And if you're lucky enough to have OTs in your school or OTs in your clinic, bring them in for a recommendation. I know I always did when I was having trouble with a kid and even just asking a friend, let's say you have a friend that's an OT and just asking them for something to try because a lot of times, you know, something is better than nothing. And so that you have something to try in sessions in order to get those behaviors a little bit more resolved. So we'll talk about those things and how to incorporate them into your speech therapy sessions. We also want to preface this with, we are not licensed OTs, nor do we think that we know everything that OTs know. That's why we have occupational therapists. They are the experts in this sensory aspect, but we do work very closely with them. And like I said before, a lot of times we do have to manage those sensory behaviors. So these recommendations are based upon our own experiences and advice we've received from our OT friends and professionals along the way. So any OTs that are out there listening that want to message us with input or more recommendations after listening to the show, please do so. We would love to have that feedback. And we'll also follow up more on sensory integration in another episode because we really could go on about it. And another really awesome thing is depending on what setting you're working in, whether you're in a school or like an outpatient clinic or a private practice, sometimes you have the opportunity to co-treat. So you are servicing your client or student or child at the exact same time that the OT is, and that can have really wonderful outcomes. Even better outcomes sometimes than doing it on your own. Like sometimes it helps so much. I loved co-treating. Yeah, I love it. Because, right, the whole purpose around that is you're meeting those sensory needs so they're able mm-hmm. to access the curriculum or access the goals that you're giving them. Absolutely. Which is awesome. So now that Claire kind of broke down the basics for us and helped us to understand the importance of sensory input, we're going to go over some really fun ideas for therapy and even ideas at home for any parents that are listening. So the first kind of section that we're going to talk about, um, we're going to go over sensory boxes. So the basics of making a sensory box are simple. You need a box. And I recommend something sturdy like a small um, shoebox-sized Rubbermaid container. You know what I mean? With the lids Mm -hmm. that slap on. Um, Super light and easy to carry around. (laughs) For sure. So again, check out your dollar store. I'm going to say that a million times during this episode, but you'll need a box. And then next you have the choice of what to fill it with. And some of my personal favorites are beans, like black beans. Um, Kinetic sand is really fun. Orbeez, pom-poms, popcorn kernels that haven't been popped and scraps of paper. Then all you need to do would be to add in your targets or the activity that you guys are working on. So I personally love making themed boxes because I work in a elementary school, so that's perfect. My littles love it. 
Um, so for holidays or seasons, you could do a Valentine's Day box and everything is red. You could do a Halloween themed box. I know one thing that I love um, in the Target dollar spot, they usually have little mesh bags of themed erasers. Have you yeah. seen those before? I have. I actually was hoping you would say that because yeah. absolutely. And you just use them as little trinkets. Yeah. Those are awesome, both for rewards and working them in with whatever you do. And another thing you can do when you make a box would be book companions. So this is probably what I use the most. And it's super fun and engaging for your students or your children that you're working with. It kind of helps them tie meaning and understanding both to the book and the activity that you're asking them to do. And what you can do is um, either copy pages from the book or just Google images, um, characters from the book and print them out, cut them, laminate them, and just use them in your box. So that's perfect for WH questions, if you're sequencing, vocabulary words, just like our last episode, you could tie in EET or even basic concepts. If you decide to do a box with kinetic sand, my two favorites have been a dinosaur box and a construction box. So if you do a dinosaur box, get little dinosaurs, little plastic ones, you could get little trees. Um, again, you'll have the sand in there, you can have little shovels. And then for the construction box, you would have construction trucks, you can add rocks that you find outside, maybe take a walk as you start your session or halfway through, collect some rocks and add them into your box. And then you can even add little people. I know at Michael's Craft Store, they sell like clear tubes of different little mini figures. So they'll have like an under the sea one and there'll be like 20 little characters that are under the sea or a farm one or cars or things like that. So that would be an awesome resource to check out for sure. Then if you decide to fill your box with Orbeez, you could do an under the sea box, which is adorable. Put some sea animals in there. You can cut little seaweed out of construction paper, some boats and some little people. Or you could also do a pond box. So if you had like all green Orbeez, you could add pond animals like a frog and some fish, a turtle, little tiny trees. You can find twigs from outside again little people and go ahead and pair that with a book about the ocean or pond animals. And I swear you're going to have really awesome results with this. Claire, have you ever made these or similar to this? So the Orbeez, I was just going to say, I, I truly didn't even know what the Orbeez were until like a year ago, another SLP in my clinic brought them in, in yeah. a sensory box. And they are so cool. They're I addicting. truly could sit there. I myself could sit there and yeah. feel them for 10, 15 minutes, maybe more. It is such a cool, it integrates your sensory system yeah. so much. Um, also cool to use almost as like a fidget. So if you're trying to like get them to do something with any of these things in the boxes, you know, continue to put their hands in them and pull, put around all the little balls and things. It's, it's awesome. I yeah. love those. Those so, are probably my favorite as far as the sensory boxes is the Orbeez. Yeah. That just made me think of something else. So I have a student that doesn't really have any sensory needs that need to be met with the exception of he's very busy. Mm -hmm. So having something to kind of occupy him helps a lot. So what I did was take a completely empty bin, 
a bunch of colorful straws and gave him some scissors. Mm -hmm. And as we were working on articulation targets, he was just sitting there cutting little pieces of the straw into the bin, into the bin, into the bin, which is kind of a double whammy because it's helping him concentrate. And it's also filling my next box that I can now use as a sensory box. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point too. Like, I think it's important. I feel like a lot of people when they hear sensory automatically think autism because Mm -hmm. it's a huge, it it is, it's huge for kids with autism. It's something that is always going to be uh, something talked about with a child with autism, I feel like. And Mm -hmm. they, children with autism usually do have sensory needs. However, just because you, a child has sensory needs doesn't necessarily mean they have autism. A lot of kids have sensory or that attention thing that Rachel was talking about. What a good way to make them focus on something and just increase their overall attention. So I I think it, it definitely needs to be said that this is across the board with kids. Yeah, totally. I have a kindergarten student actually that is diagnosed with severe ADHD, not on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the best tools that kind of helps him is a little rubber Lego and it's on a string. It's called jewelry, which you can find Mm -hmm. like on Amazon or anywhere. Yeah. And it helps him so much. Yeah. I've seen those chewies. It's yeah. It helps them so much. Yeah. So jumping back to the sensory boxes, if you decide to fill it fill your box with beans. You can make a gardening box or a bug box. You can get stones or rocks from outside. You can write your target words on them or letters on them. You can include little plastic bugs, little flowers, a tiny little shovel. And another idea for one of my favorite boxes is filling it with unpopped popcorn kernels and you make a farm box. So you include farm animals, a barn, some people, a tractor, and you can even tie in, Claire, I know you said you love using songs, um, especially with your little ones. You could even tie in the song um, Old MacDonald or Bingo was the dot. Yeah, there's a lot of really fun opportunities. Another really cool one that I saw do you know that green, I say grass, but it's like plastic grass that like parents have for bottles? You dry, um, like you dry, to dry the bottles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's almost like rubbery. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I actually saw on the Speech Room News website that she uses that and then puts target words on little carrots or flowers, laminates them, and then sticks them in oh, the grass. Oh, that's genius. Isn't that See, really cute? People are so creative. How I know. do you think of that? That is so cool. Yeah. So check out like your local Target. Sometimes you get lucky. Those things are on clearance or on sale. That's a really cute idea. And I did want to go over two more that I saw on her website that I just thought were completely adorable. There was a three little pigs bin. So this is a book companion bin and it had little pieces of hay little sticks that she got from outside, little red Legos, um, three pigs and a wolf. And she runs um, through a couple different activities that you can do. We will link that for sure. Um, And I just thought that was really cool. What a cute idea. How cool for teachers too. If there's any teachers listening, like what an awesome activity for, um, what I know at the school I worked at, they did like the daily five where the kids go around to each station and they do different things. If you had a couple of these sensory bins at each station, how fun, obviously 
post COVID. Right. <laughs> totally do that right now, but yeah, it'd be a really good idea to plan for. For sure. She had one, um, sensory bin. This will be the last one that I kind of talk about, but I mentioned doing themed boxes around yeah. holidays or seasons and she had a snow plow bin. So this again was tied with a couple um, books that she had. So this kind of falls under that book companion section. And she put a couple little plastic snow plows that she got from like the dollar store, some sugar and some little mini marshmallows and again, had a list of activities and things to do, but think how fun you just made what could have been kind of a boring session, just reading a book and looking at pictures into this fun hands-on activity where they can tie meaning to it. They're invested, they're interested, they want to learn. And I just thought that was so cute. So cute. Yeah, I love that. So again, I cannot stress enough, go to your local dollar store, um, Target, the dollar spot section has really, really good stuff. They have so many cheap, but super fun materials that you can use. Tiny little toys are perfect. Like I mentioned at Michael's craft store, you can get in the clear tubes, measuring spoons. Those are fun for scooping and pouring straws. Like I mentioned to cut scoops, beans, Orbeez, um, little bottles for pouring some into a, a different section, tiny little magnifying glasses, tweezers would be super fun to pick up pom-poms or pick up the little figures or targets. Um, there's also a ton of really awesome resources on Teachers Pay Teachers for Sensory Boxes, a lot of which are book companion materials. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be worth checking out for sure. Yes. And if you go on Teachers Pay Teachers and just type in Sensory Box or Sensory Companion or anything of that nature, so much stuff comes up. Mm -hmm. And again, I just change that little sorting to priced low to high and I find all the free ones. So yeah. I, I'm going to link the top like three that I found just really quickly when I searched that. There were just a couple that I really liked. There was one where you print off pictures and it's just basic object naming. So stuff that you might have in your classroom, in your house, mm -hmm. whatever it is, you're associating that picture with the object. So let's say you do it with a scavenger hunt with your kid at home. So they take the picture of the spoon out of the sensory box and then, oh, they have to run and go find the spoon. How fun of a little activity that would That's be. That's really cute. Yeah. And then another one is sand tray letters. So you would print out all of these letters and it gives you the direction of how to make the letters. OTs know way more about that than I do, yeah. but just the fine motor aspect of making those individual letters. But the goal is to have a sensory box of either sand or rice or something that you can kind of move around and make those letters in, like you're making it in sand, like they're at the beach or something, which yeah. is pretty cool because a lot of us can't go to the beach. So, you know, bring it to them. And then I did find a beach themed one actually for object functions. So it was a bunch of different objects and you have to match the functions. So good to also bring in EET, our last episode that we talked about. Rachel said it before, you can bring in EET to really any of these sensory boxes and whatever you're doing for whatever age kid. So yeah, there really is a lot of them. That reminded me um, when we were talking about TPT and book companions, the series, um, there was an old lady who, like, yeah. there's, I don't know, a ton, like, Wallet 20. Yeah. Well, 
No. So you don't have to have the actual little plastic items because that might be hard to find, but print out little pictures Pictures, of that. Print out a basket, print out all of these crazy things that she swallows and hide them in beans and have Mm -hmm. them dig them out with a little measuring spoon or a tiny little plastic shovel and they will love it. And I've even, if you're really in a pinch and you don't have a printer, I, when our printer was broken at the school, I would seriously take post-it notes and draw them or Mm -hmm. write the words. And you know what? It might not be as visually cool looking, but the kid is still doing something different and it's still an activity that they are more likely to do than if you have nothing. So for sure. The printer issue, I get it. It's a real problem sometimes, but you can always adapt. Just find something else. Yeah. Printers in the schools never Uh, work. And I'm always the person that gets the broken printer or no paper. Of course. I thought thought you were going to say you're always the person that fixes it. I was going to be impressed. (laughs) I was never that person. So we also want to talk about sensory boards. If you guys saw our post from today, actually, well, yeah, today is Monday. So, um, from yesterday, you will see that we, we took actually one of our mom listeners that made her own sensory board. And I'm so proud of her. She just took little pipe cleaners. She took little beads. She took little pom-poms, um, some of those twisty ties that you tie around like the bread bags. She just glued them all to this piece of cardboard and her child is only one, but she made this for her child when she was like six months, I think. And it was literally just for the car. She kept it in her car. And every time they went in the car, she gave it to her. And her little girl would just rub it and just be really interactive with it and be babbling with it. And what a cool way to not only keep your child busy, but also, also tend to their sensory program. If they're high sensory kids and they just like to feel stuff and that that's what she was running into was that they would get in the car and you know, the seat is back. So she's not really looking at anything. And even her toys that were hanging, she just wasn't interested in. And so she's like, I got to do something different. And so she made this sensory board. What a cool, cheap, easy activity that again is so cool for car rides, because I know that's a really hard time to keep your child busy and to kind of tend to them. But you just want to think different textures. You want to think different shapes, different, um, like, feelers. So if it's like hard or soft or squishy, whatever it is, but such a cool idea. Yeah. And even though she's only one, honestly, Mm -hmm. you really can't start too early because like Henry's 10 months old. And I know it's a little different when you're introducing foods and stuff, but he has like serious sensory issues. So he's like anything slimy. Um, he is not a fan of, so yeah, I would, I would work in those different textures and expose them to as much as you can. Exactly. And just introduce them whenever you can, because it's all about that exposure really, you know, especially, and every kid to an extent has some sensory issues or some texture issues. They've never felt things before. So it makes sense. You just really have to expose them to different things. Another thing I wanted to talk about was the brushing technique. It's called the Wilbarger. I think that's how you say it protocol. And what these, so they're these little plastic brushes and one side is really soft, like a cushion and the other side has bristles. And I don't want to coach about it because I'm sure I'll do it wrong. I was not trained in it and OT I'm sure could do it a lot better, but I will link a article about it. And these brushes can be purchased. I also found them on Amazon. It was $6 for six for a pack of six of them. So you can literally get them for a dollar. Yeah. 
so cheap. And this technique is about the brushing is really just a calming strategy. So um, there's a certain way to do it though. So you're supposed to, you know, press firm and then get lighter. You're supposed to do it along their arms and along their legs, along the bottoms of their feet. Um, there's a lot of different um, stipulations for it. So I highly recommend reading the article in order to more appropriately understand it. Again, I don't want to try and coach you guys about it, but it's something really cool to look into. I just really tidbit here. I had a child that I had been seeing for like a month. Um, so I'd only seen him four times, but every time he truly just screamed and bawled the entire time and nothing was working. I finally brought one of those brushes in. We had him at my clinic. Luckily I brought, I brought one of those brushes in and I started doing the brushing and he immediately just like sat and looked at me. And it was, it was the first time I'd ever actually done it myself. I'd seen it done by OTs, but it was also the most drastic change I've ever seen. And I gave it to his mom actually to take home to try. And she came back the next week and told me that he got his first haircut because he actually sat oh. still for oh. the hair cutter to oh cut his hair God. because she okay. was brushing him while she cut his hair. It Those was, aha moments I and know. breakthrough moments like I that know. make all of the screaming and tantrums Seriously. completely worth it. And it just goes to show how crucial these occupational therapists are totally. and how crucial this sensory integration is. Like it is, it's life-changing sometimes. You really just don't know if something as simple as that is going to change the entire attitude of the child. Yeah. So going along with that is weighted vests and weighted blankets and heavy lifting. So anything that's really going to be kind of providing that extra heaviness to their body, whether it's something that they wear or something that you put on them. I know weighted blankets are all the rage right now, but obviously look into the ones you're getting. There's some that, you know, might not be appropriate for your child, but if you don't have access to those, even just heavy lifting. So like moving boxes, uh, moving, maybe you have a cat, my cat litter container is like the heaviest thing I've ever yeah. experienced. And I feel like pushing that for example, would be heavy work. So anything that's going to be safe for them to push on around your house, uh, doing those wall pushups too. So literally just pushing against the wall just provides that sensory, that heavy sensory input that they might be seeking. So I've seen a lot of really good things come from those. And again, you don't necessarily need something fancy right away. Um, it would actually be really good to try at home to see if they benefit from that heavy input first before you go out and buy like a weighted blanket or vest or whatever. Yeah. And one thing I just want to hop on really quick. One mm -hmm. thing for a student at my school that really, really works that actually the parents suggested to us is he's in a self-contained classroom. So he does have a paraprofessional, but when he needs breaks, mm -hmm. he um, finds a dictionary it's like his dictionary that has his name on it and his teacher will write another teacher's name in it, put it in an envelope. Then he has to go to that teacher. So he'll walk with his paraprofessional carrying his dictionary to that teacher. Then that teacher will write a different teacher's name. Then he has to go to that teacher and he does it, I don't know, three or four times. And you can just see the anxiousness and the frustration just mm -hmm. kind of like completely go away, so reset cool. him back to zero. And he's ready to go back in his class, work hard until he gets to that point where he needs the same thing. Yes. And a lot of these kids, especially kids with autism, kind of going back to that, I know sensory affects all kids, but especially kids with autism, they are not 
they are not made for sitting at a desk for six hours and attending to a task. It's just not the way they were made. They need to have that heavy work. They need to get up and move. And I mean, a lot of us do, it doesn't, it's not anything bad. It's just something that they need. And it's something that we need to adapt for them. Otherwise they are not going to be serviced correctly and they're not going to grow. They need to be given their sensory input in order to succeed. And I think that's so, so crucial. I think schools do a really good job of that, but even for at home to carry that over, I know a lot of times at home, you just kind of want to relax after dinner or whatever, but your child still may need some heavy work to kind of get them through the rest of their day. So I think that's important to recognize Uh, some other just really quick sensory things to be aware of just some things that I've done and at least are in like my mental sensory toolbox when things aren't quite going the way that I'm planning and a lot of behaviors are coming into play. I try dimming the lights or turning the lights completely off. You would be amazed at what that visual stimulation does to kids. Sometimes Um, you might think they'll fall asleep, but I promise they won't. As long as you're doing something, just dim those lights and get that calming atmosphere talking quieter. I have this problem of getting louder and louder and louder and louder as I get more excited. So I have to watch myself with kids. And I know I do because when they're doing well or they're having fun, I start to get louder. But these kids with these sensory issues that actually may turn them the other way and they don't, they don't want that and they don't need that. So just making sure that you're having a low and calming voice, you might just be too loud and it might not be good for them decreasing the ver- the visual and verbal stimuli. So a lot of times this goes for kids at home and I'm sure people have heard this before, but please don't put every toy in front of your child at once. I know it's hard because they're like all over the place, but if you can just get some bins or shove stuff in closets or under the couch or whatever, if we can decrease the amount of things that they can see, they are more likely going to attend to and learn from specific toys instead of just going all over the place. And along with that, the verbal stimuli, we've talked about this before, condensing your language. So not giving them so much language all at once. So trying any of the things that I talked about before too are really going to help and be a part of that toolbox of that, those sensory needs. Yeah. And going back to dimming the lights, I know sometimes with um, speech pathologists and tiny little offices in the Mm -hmm. schools and you have no windows, that can kind of be hard, but consider a lamp. I know I have a lamp in my office and I also got these really awesome things from Amazon, which we can link. And they're essentially just a piece of fabric that goes over the fluorescent light and there's magnet yeah. strips on either side. I have those in my office at the school too. So one of the teachers like willed them to me and they were the greatest yeah. ever. Yeah. I don't know where she got them, but they were blue too. Yeah. So mine are like, blue. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a nice, a calming color yeah. of the room. And so. that can be really helpful because I know schools are kind of like industrial with a bunch yes. of fluorescent lighting. And like Claire said, that can be very triggering. Mm-hmm, for, for sure. sure. Triggering is a good word. Yeah. yeah. Very triggering for a lot of kids. Yeah. So I also just wanted to touch really quickly on sensory bottles. Um, not only are these super calming, like Claire just talked about, but I love to use them just for a break even. Um, or you can also play hide and seek. So there's a couple different ways you can do it and you don't have to make your own, but it's, definitely cheaper too. But if you want to buy some on Amazon, they're awesome. They're the little timers with two different colors in them. You can flip them. You see the little bubble 
bubbles going up. And then there's also something else that I have that my kids love for some reason. It's called an ooze tube. So O-O-Z-E tube. And it looks like slime, um, kind of like slime. That's the best thing I can compare it to. And you just turn it over and it all drips down and oozes to the bottom and then you do mm -hmm. it again. And I know my cool. sensory kids really like that. But if yeah. you decide to make your own, you can do it kind of different and fill a clear bottle with beads or beans or unpopped popcorn curdles. But you can also fill them with tiny little objects like I mentioned before. So those little like character erasers from the dollar spot or little tiny plastic objects. Maybe if you're working on articulation, you can include little um, objects or pictures of objects with your target sound in it and put them in there and you can kind of twirl the bottle around and make it into an I spy. And my kids really like those. I know they also make those, I think it's called find it, something like that. Have you seen those with a bunch of little colorful beads in them? Yeah, I think so. I just don't know where you get them. I'm trying yeah. to think. I haven't yeah. seen them since I was in the school. Yeah, I think I would imagine you can get them on Amazon. I don't know. Probably. I feel like Amazon's always my, everything. my answer. So I'll check it out. <laughs> if if we find it, we'll definitely link it also. Yeah, for sure. So I did kind of want to preface that this is the first of many episodes that we are going to talk about sensory needs. Mm -hmm. And one really exciting thing that we have lined up is a guest that's going to be coming onto the podcast. Her name is Rebecca Scott, and she is the author of a book called Sensational Kids, Sensational Families, Hope for Sensory Processing Differences. And I'm not going to kind of spoil her story because it's really interesting, but she is going to come on later on in August and talk a lot more about sensory needs, which we are super excited about. Yeah. So this is kind of the intro for you guys. And then she's going to dive way deeper into things that we had um, talked about and things that we were explaining. And she'll probably do an even better job of explaining them and yeah. going into way more detail on things you guys may have questions about. So going off of that, if you have questions about things that we talked about in this episode, please email us, message us on Facebook, Instagram us, whatever, so that we can mention it to her and we can get your guys' questions answered because I think that'd be a really good opportunity for you guys. Yeah, she has a really interesting story and she comes from a very interesting perspective. So cool. you won't want to miss it. It's very cool. Yeah, I'm excited. So we are done with our sensory episode, which was awesome. I hope you guys found some tidbits or some tools that you can use maybe for your next therapy session or something just to try out with your kiddos at home. But it is time to pick our very first winner for our first giveaway for Yay. Shield Pals. Yay. I'm so excited. Yeah. So our winner is, I wish we had like a dramatic I know, a drum roll. We do. We need to find that for next time <laughs> because we are going to have a lot more giveaways, guys, just so you know. So this is not the last, but our winner is Marissa McKay. Her Instagram is MNM, sorry, MN McKay. <laughs> I just like to say the MNM part. <laughs> Um, but Marissa, if you are listening, you can contact us or we will contact you within the next couple of days. Um, but if you want to contact us first, that is totally fine. We will be sending you a shield pals. 
Yeah, we are so excited. So Claire mentioned that this is not the first giveaway by any means. We have tons of things coming, tons of really cute PPE, more shield pals. They were awesome. We partnered with them and they really came through. So we are super excited about that. I am just really quickly going to run through some awesome things about shield pals for you guys to learn a little bit more. So they are a super cute company that decided to make PPE with a heart. And that's kind of their slogan. And they came up with these cute little characters to kind of make PPE less intimidating for kids. Cause I know it's kind of jarring to go out in public and everyone's wearing masks and it's necessary, but that can kind of be scary. So they made these adorable shields with tons of different characters on them, tons of different faces. You can have crowns, robots, different animals, totally awesome. But there are a couple different halo options and the halo part is what you actually wear on your head. And there are a couple different options. One is a little bit more um, heavy duty than the others, but the important part is, is that they are made of antimicrobial material that is harder and heavier and pretty rigid, um, but are very comfortable. So Claire and I have both tried them on. They are awesome. I can definitely see myself wearing them for a long period of time, which is awesome. They make little ones also, um, a youth size that fits children ages three to nine. And if you're worried about it not fitting correctly, they have a really awesome video on their website that shows them or shows you, excuse me, how to make it smaller if you need to, or how to kind of bend it or stretch it out correctly. So I would for sure take a look at that. Mm -hmm. And they also give some guidelines on how to clean the shield. They say that according to the CDC, hydrogen peroxide kills COVID-19 and it's completely safe to use on the shield. You can use a cleaning spray, you can wipe it off or you can kind of like bathe it or dunk it in that disinfectant. And they did mention that delivery with current processing times is in between 12 and 14 days. We got ours super quick, so hopefully it'll be a little shorter for you guys. So we do have more giveaways coming, but if you don't want to wait and you want to get some now, which I highly suggest, mm -hmm. they gave us a free shipping code just for our listeners. So our free shipping code is Let's Taco Bout speech which is awesome I mean, yay yeah <laughs> well and I feel like I've seen a lot of on your guys' social medias and everything everyone really wants to support you know good companies and mm -hmm. from what we have experienced from shield pals they have been awesome and I think they are a really really good company to support during this time I know that a lot of other masks companies are um, not able to make as many either is, mm -hmm. has been the problem. Like it's hard to find masks because people are backdated until August or something crazy. So this is the time, especially before school starts to get these masks or shields in. And you know, this, the shield pal is so cute. And I, I think know. it'd be a really good option, especially for going back to school and it's a great company. So you can rest assured you're supporting someone really good, which I think is a huge part of it during this time. So yeah, for sure. 
the last thing we want to say before we wrap it up is we launched a website, which we Yay. are really excited about. <laughs> so it is let's talk about speech.com. So no podcast in there, guys. I know we have that in our email, but it's just let's talk about speech.com. And we'll remind you of that. We'll make a post of that, but it is really great because now there will be one spot for all of our links. So if you go to our episodes, you can read a little bit more about the things that we talked about. There'll be direct links. So just a little bit more user-friendly for you guys. We know on the Facebooks, it's been kind of hard to follow those links and try and find the episode, but hopefully this will be a lot easier. You can contact us on the website as well. There's a form you can fill out to get to our email and we'll get back to you. Um, we'll talk about our sponsors on the website and it'll just be a great place to see all of our information. So check it out if you get a chance. Yeah, it's awesome. So that wraps up this episode. Thank you guys again so much for joining us. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at supersweetspeech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to email me at speechissupersweet at gmail.com. You can also follow the Let's Talk About Speech podcast on Facebook and Instagram. So make sure to give those a like and a follow. And like Claire just said, don't forget to check out our website, which is letstalkaboutspeech.com. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram, kindly underscore speech, or my Facebook page, kindly speech LLC. And if anyone is in need of speech teletherapy, contact me, kindly speech LLC at gmail.com. Or you can email Rachel and I with any questions. Uh, we loved we, or we love the console aspect. So please email us, especially if there's questions about the show or suggestions that you guys have of things you want to hear about. We want to hear from you. So let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. This was such a fun episode with the giveaway and we hope you guys learned a lot about sensory and um, can take away some stuff. So we can't wait to hear from you guys. All right. We'll see you guys later. Thanks. Bye.